Hello everybody, this is Paul Miller, and you're listening to the Tuna Town Talks podcast, located in Venice, Louisiana, the fishing capital of the world. Hello everybody, welcome to uh, another episode of Tuna Town Talks. Today I'm here with Captain Kyle Johnson, um, he runs charters out of here, Biloxi, and as always guys, we're brought to you by Yellowfin Vodka. Me and uh, Kyle just poured us up a glass, and uh, yeah, say hey to everybody, Kyle. Hey, what's up? I appreciate you having me, Paul. Uh, like I told you a while back, I got on a binge listening to your podcast, driving up to Tennessee to help move my grandpa down here. So I got I got caught up, and I, I listened to your voice the entire time, and then somehow you know every time I'm listening to it because you end up calling me, and it's always weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the yellowtail, I'll be honest with you, this is the first time I've had it, and it's uh, it's actually really good. It's really smooth. I'm not yeah. a huge uh, vodka guy, uh, but I do like it's a it. Little, it's a little different than the vodka. I, mean, I thought it would be clear for some reason. It's got a little they have a clear bottle, but this is actually the – the uh, it's a it's a charred – so it's, like got, a, it's a oak. It's made in like smoky oak. flavor. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering what that. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, it's good stuff. I mean, I like it. It's it's been good. But um, yeah, it's really good to hear that you like the podcast, man. Whenever I, I want kind of like all the listeners to know too. Whenever somebody tells me that, it really is what keeps me going. I don't make any money at this right now, but I mean, in the future, I mean, that's kind of the the plans with things, right? They progress. But um, whenever people tell me that, it's kind of like it's developed into like something I like to do because people like to hear it, you know. So it's a, it's it's been a it's been a fun ride, man, and I can't wait to see where it keeps going. It's good. Yeah, dude. I I wasn't <clears throat> I wasn't really a podcast guy, and uh, when Chris Bush with the Speckled Truth, you know, we we all do the Speckled Truth, and we'll touch on that later. But when he told me that we were going to start a podcast, like I'm not in the podcast world. I, I wasn't listening to any podcasts. I didn't really know much about them. I just knew it was people talking, you know? And, yeah. uh, when Chris first came up with the idea, I was kind of like, okay, you know, man, that, that sounds good. We'll, we'll give it a shot. And it turned out it was really good and it was received very well. And, and we've had just like your show, you know, we've had some really like legends of the game, you know, yeah. on there. Yeah. And that's really cool. And what I really, really like about, and it got me into podcasts. And then, you know, I, not I put to, yours not to cut you off a little bit, but like, you know, some of my listeners not, might not know what you guys do at the Speckled Truth. So can maybe you tell us like what, what like what the Speckled Truth really is as a whole? Because, I mean, it, it was something else before it was a podcast. I kind of know it as a podcast. I wasn't into the blog and all that kind of stuff. But like, what is Speckled Truth? What's the the goal there gotcha well i'll come back to that i'll start out with my introduction first so yeah, you people good. Can, yeah know about me <laughs> and I'll, I'll i'll roll into that but uh my name's kyle johnson i'm a full-time fishing guide out of biloxi mississippi i run a uh 28 foot blue wave makaira with twin suzuki 200s on it that i purchased from furlands marine who are awesome people by the way i know you just ordered your boat from them as well mm-hmm. but uh, i do uh, a little bit of everything that you can do out of biloxi uh, a lot of inshore speckled trout redfish flounder sheephead all that and then of course i'll do snapper during snapper season i like chasing cobia triple tail uh, I like to do a, a little bit of everything, to be honest with you. I like to kind of change it up. But speckled trout is, is definitely my thing. That's what I love. I'm a super technical fisherman. Uh, I'd rather fish artificial all day long. But I understand that not everybody's good at that. So sometimes i got to use live bait. And um, really the reason I have the boat that I have uh, was to really break into the the – day trips out at chandelier so uh, I, I love the chandelier motherships i think it's an awesome awesome time if you've never done it please 
go out there and do it. Uh, it's it's Wade Fisherman heaven out there. When you get to stay on a boat with your buddies, and they cook the food for you, you know, they give you skiff and all that stuff, and super super fun time. And I'm definitely not trying to take any business from them, but. I kind of want to cater to the guy that just wants to go out there for one day and really have somebody holding their hand their entire time. That, that's what I do. And uh, what that boat allows me to do is, uh, A, I can get out there on, on days that you normally wouldn't go out there, you know, a 24-foot boat. You know, it's a 28-foot boat, and it drafts pretty much nothing. I, I can run through uh, really shallow areas. I, I know the islands pretty well, even though they change a lot. Um, I, I know where I can and can't go. But – you know, say we start out on the north side, that's where I've been fishing fish, catching fish, and you know, that chain of islands is, what, 35, 37 miles long, and if the fish aren't biting there, we can run all the way to Curlew or all the way to Freemason. You know, we we have an option to fish the entire island, and, and that's kind of what I'm trying to offer people. And sometimes if we accomplish your goals, you know, in the first couple of hours or whatever, and you want to go see the Pelican or you want to go see a certain spot that you've heard about, I have no problem taking you there to, to, to show you that spot so you can see it. Even if I didn't think that there was, there was fish there, but, um, that's really what I, what I really want to do for for full time but i obviously it's just the chandelier trips man yeah that's I, I, if i if i only ran chandelier trips i'd be a happy camper it's it's wade fishing only it's artificial lures yeah. only you know the guys down in texas they've been doing this forever and yeah. uh it's not really a big thing here and it's getting bigger though i get a lot more wade clients i do wade fishing trips at the islands too the barrier islands horn ship petty boy cat all of, i fish all of those grew up fishing them and uh, I, I love it. I just absolutely love wade fishing, and I'm trying to get more more of those clients over here. And it's actually been picking up pretty good, man. Yeah. I've been running about it's crazy. four or five. It, it seems like a month. growing up, some of that stuff was so out of range. Or if like you went that far, you know, it wouldn't be for a speckled trout, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least know, in my right? mind. But like now, it seems like with the boats and everything that we have, I mean, it's like nothing's out of range. You know, you can go wherever you want. <laughs> and it's crazy, and that's kind of why, <clears throat> you know, I, I kind of refer to chandelier. It really is pretty much the last frontier you know there's yeah. no cell service out there mm-hmm. you know i mean like you just said you can get out there in a 22 or 24 foot boat but if things get a little sketchy you know that's a that's a long ride home it's yeah, not it a is. fun ride but it it's uh i love it out there and that's that's and those trips man it's it's a full day thing like i'll have people call me they'll be like is it like a four hour so i'm like it's it's an all day we will leave at daylight and we will come back pretty much when you're satisfied there's been a lot of trips that have been 13 14 hour day trips out right. there and i don't mind it because that's how much i love it out there time flies you know yeah. when you're wading did that uh passion kind of start like long before you were a guide so like did you grow up wade fishing out there or or doing that style of fishing like kind of what gave you that passion to like lure fish only and mostly for speckled trout so it's been kind of it was kind of backwards for me i was raised by a really good speckled trout fisherman my dad and it was uh he's he was already you know to that point all artificial only all that stuff so I did not start out on live shrimping or popping cork or croakers or any of that. Uh, I actually didn't dip my feet into any of that until a lot later in my, my fishing, you know, life, <laughs> like later in my twenties, you know, I started out, I had to practice throwing a seven M mirror lure. That was the first trout, a uh, first, first lure I ever caught a trout on. And I had to work my butt off and figure out how to work it, you know, the way they wanted it. 
And um, that's how I started was with with lures. That's why when I say I'm a, I'm a technical fisherman, man, I, I I tweak everything, dude. We put lead tape on 7Ms, and, you know, we, we'll take hooks off of here and put different hooks on there, different weights, totally change the profile of the bait, the action of it, everything. And uh, that's kind of where I got the technical side of it. And my, my dad's a, a veterinarian, so he's, he's really smart, especially when it comes to the scientific side of things. So mm-hmm. that was also how I was raised. And I got involved with the uh, USM Gulf Coast Research Lab, uh, talking with Jim Franks a lot, and then got to know Angelos and a lot of the guys, Pat Graham, a lot of those guys at the lab. And I really wanted to know – why these fish were in these certain spots and got me down that rabbit hole and then uh, I started wade fishing and just realized that that's really the ultimate you know you're you're yeah. you're, you're one with it sounds kind of cliche but you're one with nature you know yeah. you can you walk over these spots that you were catching fish and you you, you kind of map it out in your head like I have like a vision in my head when I'm walking over and I'm walking these gullies and this and that or when the uh when the when the water's clear and it's clear skies and you can see those goalies and but because you know at daylight you don't see any of that and then when all of that comes to fruition you know with the sun and everything you're like oh that's that's why those fish were there so it's really that's the that's what drives me i really like a challenge i've always been a hard worker and that that's what really drove me to to get more into to speckled trout fishing and more into wade fishing because it's it's so tough man it, it's, yeah. it's a big fish that shakes its head like crazy has a really you know really soft mouth and there's all these factors and it drives you crazy because yeah. i've lost so many more big ones than i've caught it's yeah. just but and, and you'd think you know that would make me not like it but it makes me it makes me like it more man yeah, there's times when things got away it's a lot of times are <laughs> more memorable yeah no <laughs> doubt about way. it but uh, to go into the speckled truth, uh, that was just, you know, a little bit about me, a little bit about my background. But um, when I started transitioning, I'd call it from being a meat hauler to really wanting to target the bigger trout because I got I got really good at, at, at meat hauling. You know, it's, it's – it's, Going and catching a bunch of them. Yeah, just going and catching a bunch of them. And I, and I say it's not hard, but I think it's gotten a little bit tougher, uh, which we can talk about that too later as far as – you know, the amount of pressure, uh, habitat loss, all of that. But, you know, when I was really getting hardcore into it and had my own boat and all that stuff, um, you know, it was nothing to just go five minutes from the launch and catch a limit, you know, and take a picture of it, post it on Facebook. And I don't even know why I was doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and that that was what kind of drove me the speckled truth as well is I kind of built this little bit of a following because, uh, you know, at the time I didn't have any kids, and I was fishing a lot, and a lot of people knew I was fishing lures only, and I was just going out there smashing trout, you know. Yeah. And I, I would post every day. I would post my catch. My goal was to go out and catch a limit. If I had two people on the boat, it's two limits. Three people, it's three limits. It was always a limit, and it was always about, you know, spreading them out or, or on the dock or on the in the ice chest and the boat, whatever, and just for whatever reason, showing everybody I didn't know that I, I didn't know you limit. back then. I guess I didn't know. Yeah, that, well, you're not. <laughs> you, gonna I think you really did that. Pictures. Yeah, a lot of those pictures are gone. <laughs> As a guide, you were doing that. I didn't know. No, no, no. no. no okay. This was just me. This, this was, was just you. Yeah, just yeah. me fishing. Yeah, yeah. Got gotcha. you. So, uh, you know, I, I did that for a while and uh, kind of got my name out there that way, but. I was kind of getting bored with it, to be honest with you. I was uh, I was seeing all these really big trout, and I hadn't really caught a lot of big trout. Tons of numbers, tons of like you know three pounders, maybe a couple fours, but I hadn't even caught a five pound trout, and uh, I just never really lucked up and caught one. Mainly because I was you know fishing for schoolies, but 
I found the speckled truth through, uh, man, the old form, the bull nettle. Used to be awesome. And, mm-hmm. and, and it was back when it was good in its heyday, it was uh, Chris Bush and, and, and Kyle were, uh, a, another Kyle were, were posting on there. They were both stationed here from the Air Force. And, dude, they were going around just catching slobs. And, and Chris caught a ton of just monster fish around here. I mean, we're not talking, you know, four and five pounders. We're talking six to eight pounders. And he caught them consistently here. And there was people here that had lived their their whole life and never caught one, let alone, you know, ten in the two years that he lived here. And I was just like, man, this dude's the real deal, you know. And he had this little blog called The Speckled Truth. And uh, it was so funny, man, because he's a good writer and he's always been good with his words. And that was just a natural talent I've always had. And, and I'm, I'm a, I really appreciate good writing. I like to read a lot. And uh, the website, the, the wording, the content was amazing. The website was freaking terrible. It, it was this, like, doo-doo brown background with this, like, white lettering. Like, just the whole, like, design of it was <laughs> so awful. And so I just kind of reached out to him and was like, hey, man, I think I can kind of help you with some of that stuff and some of the social media stuff and just kind of help you, you know, get the, get this out more because the information was just – it was unreal. And – I, uh, that's kind of how me and Chris's relationship uh, started, and um, he gave me a bunch of tips on um, making me a better angler, and, and he said one thing that's always going to stick with me forever, and I've, I've said this on a bunch of podcasts and stuff, but uh, we had this conversation one time, and, and I was just like, man, it was one of the first times we talked on the phone, and he, he knew a lot about me, and he'd been you know following me on social media, and he said if you would put as much time and effort and thought into catching big trout as you do numbers, you will get good at catching big trout. Yeah. And that it's totally, about commitment, right? it totally changed my mindset. I, I, and I'm still like this today, dude, I can go out and I am God's honest truth, perfectly content with, if I go out looking for trout, if I just get a blow up by a big trout, or if I just see one swimming by I'm good. That, that's no. good. I don't even have to catch one. As long as I know I was in the right area at the right time, because that's the most important part of it all, is, is being where they're at. And so <laughs> as long as I get that, you know, sometimes you go out and you'll you'll have this huge trout on. It was the only bite you had. And, you know, a lot of people go home pissed off at the world, feel like they wasted their time. Then I don't, man. I'm like, I was I was where I needed to be. Just, you know, fishing, you, you and everybody else that fishes yeah. knows this. It, it's It involves luck. There is luck involved with fishing. <laughs> so <laughs> it just wasn't your time. You, you didn't have luck on your side that day. But um, the Speckled Truth kind of evolved from this blog, and it was mainly Chris just kind of – Putting out his his findings and, and his theories, you know, we all have our theories on every type of fish and what we think they're doing and stuff and, and, and all of that and, and why we thought we caught them, when we caught them, on what we caught them on. And uh, a lot of people really, um, really gravitated towards it because Chris is just, dude, I'll tell you this, I know you hear this a lot and, and we all do nowadays and I think this term is really used way too loosely, but he's a really, really good dude. Really mm-hmm. good hearted dude. His dad, his whole family, I mean, they are just like really good hearted people and I could kind of tell that. I've been fooled by a lot of people too, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of snakes in the grass and all that. But I, I knew that, and still to this day, there's never been a day I've been pissed off at Chris. Uh, he's never done anything <laughs> to really piss me off. But yeah. uh I feel like you can tell that a lot from uh, 
listening to him and, and everything, he's, he's definitely a, <clears throat> you know, that's one of the cool things about podcasts. Whenever you hear people talk for hours, it's really hard to fake that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it, get, you, that bullshit will, in their own lives yeah, at some point. At some point. And I feel like, uh, Chris is is exactly what you just said. A genuinely good guy, like he really is, and I, I believe that. I've never heard anybody say anything bad about him, and it's crazy too because you know you you get to a certain point with with popularity or whatever you want to call it on social media. Eventually, you're gonna get some haters, right? Mm-hmm. And there's people that hate on the speckled truth. Oh yeah, but I'll tell sure. you this right now: none of them. I mean, I have access to all the Speckled Truth stuff, all the Instagram account, Facebook account, the messages. I see all that stuff, right? And and people have always, you know, they've messaged us, you know, hate stuff, this and that. But it's never been anything directed towards Chris. Like, right. it's just yeah. like he's an idea or those, something he's talking about, right? Yeah. One of those very few individuals that, you know, you, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that's got something bad to say about him. I mean, there's plenty of people that are going to say bad stuff about me. I already know that. <laughs> yeah, but me too. I'm, I'm, little, that. I'm no saint. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little more <laughs> abrasive than him, but uh, – but anyway, so you know, I got with him, and I was like, "Man, this this needs to this needs to be on on a different level," you know. And I was, um, you know, like I said, I was posting and doing this stuff, and I've always been good at writing. So I wrote for a couple magazines uh, back then. I was on a couple TV shows, and I got on the cover of Coastal Angler magazine, and it was it was all pointless because I wasn't a guide. I had no direct. I don't even know why I was doing it. I really don't. I was just no. doing it just to do it. And, and there was a lot of people telling me, hey, you know, you're young, you know, you're good looking, you can write good, you know, that there needs to be more guys like this on the industry. And that's, that's kind of why I got kind of pushed up, you know, it, it was just all networking. And the next thing you know, got on the cover of Coastal Angler holding a trout, which I was like, I don't remember exactly, but I was the first person to be on the uh, cover of Coastal Angler holding a trout in the first, like, in, in the last, like, 15 years. Like, you mm-hmm. never see trout on the cover of Coastal Angler. And um, then I started writing for them, like for the national chain or whatever, did that for a while. And I was really just sitting down and, dude, I already had a, you know, I was full-time in the Army then. And and I was great pay and I liked where I was at. I had no ambitions of being a guide. And I was just kind of like, why why am I doing this, you know? And, And I was like, I need to focus my efforts and what I've learned towards something else. And when Chris helped me kind of transition into being a, a, a big trout angler and, and more conservation minded, I was like, kind of felt, you know, I owed him a little something. I had all this information on how to build something up. I said, so let me, let me help this dude out. Cause it seems like it, you know, he deserves mm-hmm. it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and, and it's, and I'm not trying to say it was me that blew up cycle truth. I just kind of helped, you know, push him and, and we started brainstorming. And then we brought Ed in and then we brought Keith in and we kind of made this little team and, uh, you know, we built it up. Um, it's still kind of, kind of weird, you know, it's still a blog, but it's not really a brand, but it kind of turned into somewhat of a brand and it got a pretty big following. You know, we got somewhere around a little over 20,000 followers on, on Instagram and 20,000 on Facebook and our podcast gets, you know, hundred down, hundred thousand downloads the first season, you know, and, and we're, uh, just kind of, we got great fans that really, Really love it, and and they they love the content, and and the best thing about it is, man, you know, we're we're really we're pushing the good word, and we don't shove it down people's throat. That's something that we're gonna stand by forever. We're, we you, you're not gonna find a post from <clears throat> any of us where we've you know 
like chastise somebody for killing fish, you know, whatever. Like yeah. we don't, we don't do that. We just, we, we, well, that's not, it's just going to make, it's not going to work at all. Is, <laughs> He's like the, in that mentality. I'm just going to go kill this many more tomorrow. Yep. You know? <laughs> it, it is the worst form of, of conservation. And, and honestly, a mindset, like I hate to bring politics into it, but whenever you tell people they have to do something, it's you're you get wary of is like is supposed if you just let me make my decision on my own exactly it's kind of like the the same type of mindset there i don't mean to talk about politics no man you're exactly right and it's the same thing with conservation and one way i've always really approached it and and kind of the way that that chris kind of like i said i was already kind of getting tired of of meat hauling because uh you know i was i was freezing a lot of fish and then you know, when you get good at it, and I'm sure you've been here at this point uh, before too, but um, you get good at it and you're killing so many fish and you're getting so much meat, what the hell do you start doing with the meat? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's giving like, it to everybody you can give it to. Well, dude, it got to a point to where, it, like when I really sat down and looked at it, I felt like an idiot. I was going out, catching as many trout as I could, and then – I was cleaning trout to give to people. Like, why am I doing this? Why, why, why Basically am, working. Yeah. I, like, I'm, I'm like, you know, why, why the hell am I doing this? And, and like I said, back then I didn't really want to be a guide. I liked where I was at. I loved my career in, in, in aviation with the Army. And I, I just, you know, I was like, why would I do that when I, when I have a great future in this and, and all of that. But it, it's really that, that my, my thing and, and what kind of got me from Chris is he was like, man, just, just try – Try releasing some fish and see how you like it. That's kind of what he was. That's kind of what he suggested to me. He was like, just kind of try to release them and see how you like it, dude. I'm not gonna lie. You know, when I released the first, like one time I went out there, and, and before having that conversation with him, you know, I was in the mindset like a lot of people are, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. So don't don't try and put words in my mouth here. But I was in the mindset of everybody else. I was gonna kill everything I caught. If it was legal, I was gonna I was gonna keep it. And uh, I started just kind of being like, you know what? Maybe I'm going to go out and just not keep anything. I got a ton of fish at home. I don't owe anybody anything. I'm just going to release them. And I started doing that. And not only was it easier, but I don't know, man, if something felt good about watching trout some way. And then yeah. once I got better at catching the bigger trout, that's just a really – that's a really badass feeling, and yeah. especially when you're waiting – and you're holding the tail of a big, you know, five, six-pound trout, and you're watching. You still keep away. fish now, though, huh? You, you, yeah. It's kind of just follow what you practice, right? You, you catch, yeah. You catch some for the night or for the weekend or something like that. So, for myself, uh, one thing I started doing a long time ago is um, I do freeze some fish, uh, not speckled trout, though, only certain mm-hmm. species of fish, and I vacuum seal them. Uh, I got pretty good at, you know, trying to keep them, like, fresh or whatever, but – when it comes to trout, um, I, I tested a lot of theories. I'm kind of I'm a I'm a numbers guy, and like I said, with fishing being technical, I'm really technical in like everything else too. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a curse, to be honest with you. I'm that kind of guy that goes in a store <laughs> and I'll spend 30 minutes researching something before I buy it, and it's right. So in front I'm the of exact me. opposite, yeah. man. I'm a, so yeah, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting pull. there looking at reviews and just overthinking stuff. But anyways, I. Um, you know, I froze trout, and, and, I, and I kept it in the freezer for a while. I froze it different ways, and then I actually cooked trout. Uh, and you can ask my wife, man. She was right there during this whole thing. I, uh, I, I cooked it all the same night. Like, I cooked some that had been frozen, uh, uh, like, you know, just in a bag with water, one that had been vacuum-sealed, and, and one that was just fresh. 
And I will admit, the vacuum-sealed one was very comparable to the fresh one. Very. Really? There was a little bit of a difference. You could barely how, how tell. How long had it been frozen, though? Like four months. Oh, really? It was a good ways. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So good. I wanted to do six months, but I was like, I, I got impatient. <laughs> uh-huh. But the one that was just frozen in the water, it, uh, no comparison to, to fresh trout to me. Yeah. Uh, and. And, and and from that goes point to show on, you what you how you take care of it is, mm-hmm. is very important. Yeah, the vacuum sealing is is where it's at. And putting a little bit of sea salt in there goes a long way too with the fresh freshness, I think. But mm-hmm. uh, I stopped freezing trout after that. I was like, you know what? I'm only gonna keep, you know, what I'm gonna eat. And and I'm uh, I'm gonna be dead honest here because I'm an honest dude. I wasted a lot of trout after this because it took me a minute to figure out just how much I need. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. so like in my eyes, I was like, and it's just, it's just me and my wife and, and my two kids. And, uh, this was before, this was even before the kids, but, um, I was like, okay. I was like, I'm just going to keep five trout. You know, that's, that's going to be plenty for us, dude, you and your wife try to eat five trout before that's it goes lot. bad. Yeah. It's a lot of meat, especially if they're yeah decent size. Yeah. yeah. So I got to a point even now, you know. Two, three trout feed my family of four, you know, five-year-old and a six-year-old and, and me and my wife. And, yeah. you know, when you include sides and everything, and you That's really – That's a whole filet, too. And, like, I was just doing one with, like, Angelos yesterday, Apetos. Mm-hmm. He, he was telling me how, like, his mom came and they eat the whole thing. <laughs> you we know started, what I mean? They eat the bones, the, the whole damn yep. thing. So, so we, we did that, too. Um, we just I just gutted trout and took them home. You'd be surprised how much meat is still on my. I, I know, you know, we and you have talked about it, and your your video with a red snapper was was unreal. I thought <laughs> I thought I got all the meat off of it, but I I didn't know about all that. That that, really, that taught me some stuff. I'm not gonna lie. Because thanks, man. I, I want to do more of that kind of stuff in the future. I, I I have a lot of tricks and things, and I I need to I need to do that for sure. Well, and I don't mean to get off subject here, but it's part something that's kind of been hard for me as a guide and and I'm sure you you obviously struggle with this too is we forget that not everybody sees the stuff that we do every day and they they don't realize like that kind of stuff like you had no idea how many people when I first started guiding and I was doing snapper, my favorite thing is the throats. Mm-hmm. And, and Chef Milton over at Chard, I took him fishing a couple of years ago and I was cleaning some snapper and I was cleaning throats out and he was like, dude, you do not know what you're doing. <laughs> and he showed me the easy way to do it, of just cutting that joint and just ripping yeah, it out. Yeah. And so when I now that I know how to do it easier, uh, all my clients, they get everything. I'm cleaning the throats whether they want them or not, and I give them the option. I say, hey, do you want these throats? And they're like, are they good? I'm like, I'm honest with them. I'm like, this is my favorite part of the fish. Yeah. And if they don't want them, then I'm going to take I'm not. I will say it. they don't freeze very well. No, no, you got to eat those. Yeah, yeah. You eat but I am – you're not going to see me throw a carcass away that's got a, a, a snapper throat in it. I'm not going to do it because yeah. I, I love it that much. But, um, you know, it's just little things like that uh, and, and, you know, the big schools of fish that we see and, and all that stuff. We don't think to pull out our phone and record it, yeah. you know, and, and, and we'll see it, you know, ten times in a month. And really, it helps a lot of people not waste so much fish is like because the idea behind it, you know what I mean? <clears throat> so. Like, you just think of it as, like, you're doing it better than somebody else or whatever the case may be. But to me, it was, like, maybe people won't waste as much fish now. It's, like, this whole kind of thing comes from, like, you know, here in America, like, we we freeze all our fish. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, like, a normal thing. You got a freezer in your house. Like, everybody does. When I've been to, like, Vietnam... And you go there, they don't have freezers. Like, that never makes it to the fridge. They eat everything fresh, and so they value their fish so much more because anytime they eat it, it's it's, it's completely fresh, and it's it's good. 
and we've kind of gotten away from that. And like I get it, if you freeze it, it does keep well, but it a lot of work has to be done to make sure that the quality is kept good to where people still want to eat it. And I don't know. To me, the best thing to do is is catch what you think you can eat fresh, and you know, give the rest back. You know, try to try to only consume fresh fish <laughs> as much as you can. You know. Yeah, and that's that's where it gets a little tricky on the on the guide side is that. You know, you, you got people that, you know, something I do with guiding that I think a lot of captains don't do is um, is kind of marketing your clients. You know, you're marketing yourself to, to, to find people that you want on your boat. Um, so, you know, a lot of people, and I'm not talking bad about any guys, I'm going to say that first off, uh, but... You know, a lot of people, they start guiding and they just, all they know is to post, you know, dock shots and, 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 and mm-hmm. wait for the calls to come in. You yeah. know, they, they think, hey, if I, it if works. I, if I, yeah, it does. And you're like, hey, if I post these, you know, dock shots every day, people see that I'm producing, then, um, you know, I'm going to get calls. I'm going to make money. I'm going to feed my family. Well, then, uh, you know, you got to think about the type of person that you're attracting. You're attracting a person that expects that or wants that. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I first, you know, started guiding part time to, to make sure it was something that I, I wanted to do, um, you know, you can go back and, and look at my look at my Facebook, look at every single picture. You're not going to see a dock shot or a box shot or anything like that. Uh, I was showing pictures and videos of people, you know, having a good time catching big fish, you know, stuff like that. So uh, thankfully for me, not a lot of my clients call me and, and, and want to, you know, they're not like, Hey man, I want to fill the freezer. I don't, I don't get a lot of questions asked about limits. And when I do, it's mainly just, they're curious, you know, they're like, Hey, you know, this or that, but, um, and 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 something I do that I don't know if a lot of other guys do or not is, um, you know, you ask your clients, like, hey, are you keeping fish today? Or or, yeah. or, or before, you know. What's the goal of this trip today, guys? What yes. y'all trying to do? What, what is your goal? <laughs> like, are you wanting to bring some fish home to eat? You know, this or that. And, you know, I, I, I kind of set, um, I kind of set some, some, some personal, you know, boat limits on my boat. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because, um, you know, our limit here is, is, is 15 sheephead per person. You know, I, I'm. Like what? What are you going to do with yeah. thirty sheephead fillets? Right. <laughs> you know, it's like so. Uh, I, I last year, you know, we were just smashing them big sheephead too, and it's fun. I love it. I, I, they're a little tricky, you know. They yeah. can be they can be a little finicky and this and that. There's, we have all our little tricks for it, but um, you know, I started telling people, I was like, look, you know, if it's four people on the boat, we're only keeping twenty sheephead, which yeah. I thought was very very liberal. It's you know, very like, fair. Yeah, you know, twenty sheephead, and then we're gonna go look for something else. You yeah. know. And so, and nobody had a problem with that. Not one person argued that, yeah. you know, and, and it's, that's, yeah, that I find the same thing. Cause like, there's no limit on sheephead in Venice and you'll see people just, God, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like, for me, I think I've always said my limits between 20 and 30 depends on the people, you know, but at, at some point I'm going to put a stop on it. <laughs> yeah. But it's usually around 20 or 30 and I, I feel the same way It's like, all right, like if you catch, if you catch 20 of anything, you got him. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, no like, doubt. Like, that's but enough. At the same time, you know, I, I, when I, when I talk to people, I try to get a gauge, you know, I ask them uh, a couple of questions about, well, you know, what they do and, and things like that. And, and when I talk to people and they start talking about hunting and they start talking about how they preserve their meat, 
So some of those people, yeah, dude, I, I might come back with with a limit of of certain fish. You know, yeah. if if I if I feel like if I feel like it's not gonna get wasted, and you know, like I feel like these guys are really gonna preserve it well. You know, like. I had some guys last year, awesome dudes from Alabama. They they booked me for three full days in a row, and uh, we talked a lot before the trip. They brought their own stuff. They wanted to fish lures only, and they were like, "Hey man, we're gonna. Uh, do you have an outlet by your boat?" And I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Why?" And he was like, "Well, we want to vacuum seal it right there." And I was like, "These guys are gonna take care of their meat." So you know what, dude? They they took home a lot of fish, like mm-hmm. a lot of fish. Not really proud of it, to be honest with you. But <laughs> they took home a lot of fish, and they had a great time. But I feel like those dudes, like you know, yeah. they were hardworking dudes, and and that was their only time off the whole summer. You know, all that stuff. And I feel like they're gonna actually that that meat's not gonna go to waste. Yeah. It's probably already all eaten. I, th- I think the number one thing that somebody's done to tick me off the most is whenever they say, <clears throat> well, Cap, we still got some left from last year. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh. Yeah, I haven't I haven't heard that yet. <laughs> <laughs> we still got some from last year back home. I'm like, oh, man. What did we catch last year? Oh, man, we caught some triple tail and this and that. And it's still in your freezer, huh? Yeah, triple tail? <laughs> what? <laughs> you can mail that back to me. I'll eat that for you, brother. <laughs> Yeah, that that's definitely a pet peeve. So, if you want to keep fish, don't tell me you still got it in your freezer. Yeah. Last year. Well, uh, it doesn't make it's not only that, but it doesn't make me feel good about what I'm doing. And like whenever you do something to me, you want to feel good about it. Like you want to sleep good at night, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, like I just said, man, that's the first time I've talked about that in a while and I'm I'm looking I'm in my head the the amount of fish we kept. It was a lot, man, and it's something I, I definitely wasn't proud of, and, and but you're within the limits. Right? I was, yeah, I, I know. But uh, sometimes I feel like those limits are, you know, Louisiana and Mississippi have the most liberal limits anywhere, you yeah. Know, especially when it comes what, to trout. What do you think about um, the limits? Like, do you feel like they should start stop setting these limits based off of how many fish are out there, and more so as to how much you really actually need to take home to begin with? So. I've I've been going down the rabbit hole of fisheries management for a couple of years. It's extremely complicated, a lot more complicated than people. Yeah, people and that's think. why I want to talk to you about yeah, it because you yeah. obviously know a lot more than. I do. And th- this is just a this is just a, a, a opinion of mine. This is is based on some scientific facts, but this is just me being somebody who's been fishing for a long time, who fishes full time now. You know all that stuff, but um, I think the big. And it's kind of weird. It's different for inshore and offshore. So I guess I'll just kind of talk about inshore. But um, it, it's so hard to to, to kind of really put a finger to it because I feel like me personally, you know, if we could find a um, some kind of middle ground with trout, you know, like like trout. They say, they've said this for years, that trout is the most popular game fish in Mississippi state waters, right? Mm-hmm. Well, People aren't catching trout like they used to. And I'm not just saying that, you know, just just because, you know, whatever. But uh, they're they're just really not. You know, people used to get limits of trout off of the piers all the time, you know. And this this is when they were were doing more um, of the little artificial reefs all around the beach and stuff. I mean, there's not a lot of of structure here for trout. But – I feel like uh, where where I would be happy with with Mississippi would be somewhere between you know five to five to eight trout per person and some sort of slot you know mm-hmm. like like why do you need to keep 
you know, five or ten trout over, you know, 22 or 23 inches if you catch if you if you catch those. But I just kind of feel like um, it, it's just a little too liberal. Um, I, I think that we should have a little bit stricter limits because something that I learned the, the past couple of years is, is – and this is all through the speckled truth too is, – is the more popular that we got – and, and and we didn't we didn't know this was going to happen, but it did. So you know we, we were really kind of talking about conservation, and like I said, we weren't shoving it down anybody's throat. We were just kind of, in a sense, I guess you could say we were kind of trying to make trout conservation more cool. I guess you could say, right? Uh, uh, that's the easiest way to put it. You, you know? guys definitely did that. So, no, so without a doubt, y'all did that. So it's sure. not just us, but yeah, it, it, that was kind of like our goal, right? And so it started working, and so then. Like, the trout legends just started coming out of the woodwork, you know, like Jay Watkins and Mike McBride and Lowell Odom and, the, the you know, Eric Botnick, the owner of Mirror Lure. We started making all these relationships with these, like, the tippy top of, of the pyramid, you know, right. when it comes to trout fishing. I mean, these are the top guys. And, and that really kind of started to to kind of open my eyes. And, and when I really started to get more involved in con- conservation, I started looking at – you know, some of the best, like, TV show hosts, like Flip, well, you know, personally, uh, my opinion, but, you know, like Flip Pallet and uh, Carter Andrews, who I got to meet and fish with, which was freaking amazing. Uh, That was like a dream. But um, you you start looking at all these people that are at, like, the top echelon of of this whole thing, and they're all conservation-minded. And that's not not just, like, a coincidence, you know? I mean, like – my personal opinion, and and I fight for a lot of rights for recreational anglers. You know, I'm I'm a Ship Island chapter president. I'm a government relations uh, co-chair for CCA Mississippi. You know, uh, on the advisory panel for the Gulf Council Reef Fish, and I fight for a lot of stuff for recreational anglers. But I can tell you right now, <clears throat> I really feel like we're overfishing everything. I, I really do. I mean, there's there's no. I mean, you can people sit here and they try to blame commercial. And it's, it's I a, do that a lot. It, it, you, you can try to, and and I get it, and there's a lot of people that are breaking the law, recreational and commercial, but the commercial side is so heavily regulated. It's like, how can we sit there and just blame them when we don't really know what all we're catching? We, we don't. We don't have a number. But with them, we know, like, what they're turning in, we know. And, mm-hmm. and don't take this as, like, I'm pro-commercial. You know, uh, that's not the case. I'm just – I'm being real here. Yeah. You know, that, that they they have a certain number that they can catch. And when, when that's done, it's done. And, yeah, there might be some outlaws here and there. But we can sit here and, and try and say – that we know how much recreational are, are, are catching. But then we, we fall into like Red Snapper. Red Snapper uses MRIP data. It is the most flawed, yeah. stupidest data out there. It, it really is. It's it's based on uh, how many yeah, – They said that the, the Great American Red Snapper count is supposed to be much better. That was way more accurate. Yeah. yeah. So they, they went out what and – What is accurate though? I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, and that, that's the other thing is, is it, like I said – Angelos you, is supposed to be hooking me up with somebody that's supposed to uh, tell me exactly how they come up with stock assessments. So I'm looking forward to was that. Was it Paul Mickle? I can't remember the guy's name, and I don't want to say it just gotcha. because I, I'm not I'm – not, yeah confident that he wants to have not talked to him yet but that's one thing that really needs to be explained to people if because angelo's told me that there's a proven method to determine how many fish are out there mm-hmm. now prior to him telling me that because I, I believe that angelo's is not is a you know really smart guy he's a, he's a good guy too yeah he's really smart yeah and uh 
yeah, like I want to, I want that to be explained to me because to me, that's the root of that whole argument as to how much people are going to catch. And what I would say is that instead of trying to determine how much is out there and how much we're going to catch, because to me, there's, there's no way to determine how much recreational English are taken out. People get new boats, people sell their boats, people, you know, fish 10 times this month and none the next month. Like there's no way to, for me, and I, I don't know the right way to determine how much we're all taken out, but yeah. I think we need to look at the goal of every recreational angler. You know, yeah. what is the goal of what you're trying to do? If you want to catch fish to take home and eat, great. But like, how much of that fish is going to go into your freezer? Maybe we shouldn't keep freezing this fish. And as far as commercial fishing goes, I think that uh, a more localized approach to selling the fish would be better. Instead of freezing it and shipping it all over God's cre- creation, mm-hmm. you know, let them eat farm fish. Like, yeah. let's keep our local resource here and let the restaurant sell it the way it's supposed to be, you know, done. I mean, I know this is like all well, I mean, la there's, la land stuff, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of pushes towards uh, not really. Well, I guess you could call it, you know, farm raised. I mean, like oysters is like, it's like a multi, them, multi-billion yeah. dollar thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Because. Uh, there's so much money being thrown at oysters; it's it's unreal. So, yeah, the demand is going up. Yeah. The demand's going up, and the oysters aren't there. And yeah. and so, like, it, 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 it's something that I've battled the past, you know, since I've gotten really heavily involved with this stuff. Is you know, I can sit here and try to do arguments on trout or redfish or whatever, but go to a CMR meeting, and and ninety percent of it is going to be about oysters. They they don't. You know, it's kind of taking the limelight away from other issues, which it is an important issue. But I feel like that's kind of the basis. The oysters, man. They well, can't, you know, they can't live. They oof, oof. so all they you know. Me, the and, water. me and Marty Wilson started something a while back, and we're still having trouble trying to get it going. But you know, we were talking about how we can kind of help some things with conservation and, and cobia, and so we came up with the the cobia license plate tag. So everybody that buys a, a cobia tag is going to put a cobia back in the water. And so uh, we called around to all these places. You know, there's a there's a hatchery up in up in like McHenry, and when they first did a Kobe release, uh, I think it was like 2008 or something like that. Uh, Marty was a part of it, and a lot of people from the research lab, and that's where they raised those Kobe. That entire hatchery is doing nothing but oysters now. That's it. They really? wouldn't even. They were like, we're not going to raise Kobe for you. <laughs> we're, really? we're doing we're doing oysters, and so um, that's when I really started to see like just how powerful the whole oyster thing is but um it's kind of like you know you start looking into it and we found a place that would do it and there's a couple options you know they could raise it in tanks and then ship it to us and then they could grow a little bit more um at the research lab and then we could release them there or we could they would ship the fingerlings to the research lab or, you know, they would raise them in the, the nets offshore, you know, outside of Florida to where they were a pretty pretty big age. But that was a really expensive uh, thing. But, you know, there's – there's and they used to have that here. They used to have uh, – apparently from what I've been told is they used to have big, huge, you know, farm-raised cobia out there. But that's where I think a lot of uh, – and this is just a, a personal opinion – a lot of the, the cobia, uh, the commercial stuff is going to go for, for a lot of fish is it's going to be – somewhat farm raised you know they're, they're starting yeah. to do that with triple tail mm-hmm. there's a big thing going on with triple tail right now trying to trying to farm raise them yeah, that's angelos and them's whole mission is mm-hmm. to get aquaculture to a point where they can you know 
basically you can pick up a book and read how to, you know, raise speckled trout or whatever yeah. it is. And in my opinion, I mean, I, I just did a podcast with, uh, Walter Heathcock and he's, he, he grew up in the commercial fishing down there in Venice and he saw it go way up and then plummeted whenever they started farm raising all that shrimp. And he says, you know, for him, somebody like him or somebody that's, you know, is a shrimper right now, that's not good for them because it drives the price to a point to where they can't even compete, mm -hmm. you know, and this is a local thing. But if we could have laws in place to where we couldn't have, we can't have Chinese, we cannot have Chinese fish here. We like North I-10, I don't know what the line would be, yeah. <laughs> but you cannot have, you know, fish brought in from other places and people would specifically come here for this fresh fish because it's it really is that special if we treat it like it is but whenever you have you make it easier for people like in venice they will literally i mean I'm, oh god I can't, I can't i can't say that um but restaurants literally in louisiana will get shrimp brought to them from china mm -hmm. you know what i mean and that to me is it's it's just not showing our resource the respect that it needs. It's 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 not showing it the value that it, that's really there for it. And it, and to the commercial fishermen that are in that space, that's why I think that they should, you know, fight to private, you know, localize the natural resource to where they can keep selling it but people value it in a way that they do. And if you you know, if if we we got to find a space for people to because in a sense, like, you know, Walter told me, if you think about it, commercial fishermen are, are farmers. You know, they they have there's something out there and they like take, you know, pogie fishermen, for example. They've been taking pogies out of these waters since like, what, the 70s, mm -hmm. like a long time. And I mean, imagine what would be if they weren't there. But who's to say that that doesn't mean it's sustainable because they're there to be able to do it year after year and they're you know clearly doing stuff I, i'm just saying there's a there's a there's a comp there's a middle ground there you know yeah. what i mean to where these people could should be able to sell this you know high quality seafood for a really good price but i don't know i don't know what the answer is man <laughs> i i think and you know i've thought on this a lot because like i said i got really heavily involved with it and and doing at first, I was very vocal about it and, and on social media and all that stuff, but it, it, it really created a, a massive, massive headache for me. But um, it also, um, there's also a lot of good that came out of it because it, I'm the type of person to where, you know, there's a lot of people just, just going along with this whole conversation, a lot of people trying to blame other people and, and all this stuff. And I don't, I don't think what people are realizing is we, we really need to stop trying to blame, you know, these, one sector charter fishing or and, commercial fishing and try yeah. to figure out what what the real cause is for because <clears throat> you know you and I had this conversation and it works different for different fisheries but when you when, when I was talking about you know we had these you know guys that have been like Jay Watkins he's been guiding for 40 years I mean he's mm -hmm. been a speckled trout guide for 40 years Un unbelievable knowledge he's seen everything he's been through the freezes the hurricanes everything and when you talk to somebody like him that's on that good on that level and and you talk to a lot of other you know guys that have been in the game knowledge for a long that time. you could never write yeah. down. <laughs> Nobody, none of these guys, none of them, not one of them was like, man, the fishing's way better than it used to be when it comes to speckled trout. And then you kind of opened my eyes a little bit when we had this conversation because I was saying that it was like that for everything, and you were like, well, you can't say it for tuna because you know just a couple of years ago Venice had like the best tuna year ever, mm -hmm. and that, that was kind of 
You know, that kind of I mean, opened my it, eyes that, you know, I got to think more outside of just inshore fishing. But when it comes to inshore fishing, I don't think you're going to find anybody anywhere on any Gulf Coast state that's going to say, man, trout fishing is way better than it used to be. There's, there's no way. If, they, if they're going to say that, then they hadn't been doing it for long enough because yeah. there, there is a decline, and, and it's, it's obvious. And I've seen it just in my lifetime, and, and I think it's a lot of factors, man. I think it's, it's overfishing. I think it's habitat loss. I think habitat loss is the biggest thing that nobody's looking at because you got all these sectors, you got all these people bitching at each other, blaming each other, you know, the sports <laughs> and the commercial and the charter boats and blah, 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 and all this stuff. But, like, it's like, what are we doing to fix it? Like, you know, if – Habitat's if, the if, truth, if, right? Yeah, the CCA's we, got it figured out. <laughs> yeah, if we, if we try and, you know, build – more habitat, then that helps everybody, not just one sector. Like, yeah. we, we can't – it's not like we're going to build this reef and say, okay, now only recreational guys can fish around here. You yeah. know, like, it's like, man, it's, it's like habitat is, is, is really the answer. I fads think. a lot inshore. Like, dude, can you imagine if they put fads all the way around, like, Horn Island or oh, something? Oh, dude, like, I, I've talked to people about it. Because when I first and I'm got not in, talking about bottom like rocks on the bottom. I'm talking about something oh yeah, that comes yeah. out the water, like, so when, like a rig does. When I first got into a lot of this stuff, you know, I was going into it blind. I didn't know a lot, but so I was just asking a lot of questions, a lot of dumb questions, honestly. Mm-hmm. But there's only way that was the only way I was going to figure out, you know, what you can and can't do. But, you know, I was just like, why can't we put structure south of the islands, more south, like like right south of the islands or right north of the barrier islands, you know, and all that stuff. And, and, and found out all the zoning and all this stuff. But, dude, it, it's this massive fight between the commercial guys and the recreational guys. And it's like even though it would be something that would benefit them, they're like, nope, that's that's area we can't shrimp. You know, and they, they would fight it tooth and nail. And, man, the commercial commercial fishing lobbying is like the most yeah. most well like paid for lobby group in the world apparently yeah. and and it, it, it's it's unreal and it's just like <laughs> it sucks to see man because like you know a, a sign of intelligence is when uh tribes or groups of people come together you know with set a, set apart their differences and come together for a greater good and a sign of stupidity in my opinion is when people try to fight against each other and well it, I, and that's what you see a lot within yeah. the fishing industry. It's sad to say, but it's true. So when I got more involved with all this kind of stuff and conservation and trying to fight for stuff, and I I didn't know a whole lot about commercial fishing, even though uh, a lot of my mom's side of the family is actually, they grew up commercial fishing in Biloxi, right? Mm-hmm. And But all of them are, are gone. But um, – I didn't know much about commercial fishing, so I kind of reached out to people that I knew that we kind of had, you know, as much neutral ground as you could to kind of learn more uh, about commercial fishing. It's like you just said about the imported shrimp, man. Like, we all have our own little stuff, and we're trying to blame somebody else, and they're trying to blame somebody. Well, you know, like, they got absolutely screwed here by, by the by the shrimp. Like, it was – I had no idea that yeah. – I, I didn't know anything about any of this because yeah. it, it's, like, never been brought it's up that I've your, seen. Yeah, it's not in your space. But, right? So, I had a shrimper. He actually reached out to me, and he was, he was talking about, you know, he wanted to get a group together and kind of, like, try and fight this stuff a, a couple years ago. But um, – so if you go into like you know any of these fish houses here, like any any desk ports, you know quality whatever, 
and say you want to get 100 pounds of local shrimp, quote-unquote local shrimp, not imported shrimp, local mm-hmm. shrimp. So there was a bill passed a long time ago that for it to say local, it only has to be 41% local. So you can go in there and you can buy 100 shrimp from them thinking that you're buying local shrimp and 49 pounds of it's going to be that imported crap that you don't know anything about. Isn't that unreal? That's, That's crazy. That's crazy, man. And then like the, he was telling me that fish houses were – um and and I don't know if this is fact or anything. I know these people, these fact checkers and stuff, you know. But <laughs> but uh, this is this is what a shrimper was telling me. Something some of the things that are going on here is like these fish houses were where they were doing a lot of illegal shady stuff. Like they were getting a lot of this imported shrimp yeah. and they would freeze it and hold it, which was illegal apparently. And they would wait till the shrimp season would open here. And then they they pull it out and rinse it off, and so whenever all the, sh- the the local shrimp boats here would come in to try and sell their catch, they were able to drive the price down by being like, "Hey, look, man, we've already got a bunch of shrimp. We're only going to give you this much per pound for your shrimp." Well, they don't have any other choice. Where else are they going to sell it? They're already here, yeah. you know. So, and that's what I hate with commercial fishing is like they're the person the the person that has it first is usually the person that gets screwed the hardest mm-hmm. because they ain't got nowhere to. Nowhere to, what are they going to do with it all? Yep. And they so, got to get rid of it. They got to push it. So, you know, that, that kind of opened my eyes to, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, worried about, you know, speckled trout and stuff like that. And there's guys out there that are, you know, they're sitting there trying to make a living. They, they, they're, they're working their ass off and they're, they're getting screwed just like we are, you know, yeah. and, and, and it kind of, it kind of, it, it made me kind of take my focus away, kind trying to blame, you know, everybody else, and and try to really find that that root that common problem, ground. Yeah, the, the pro- yeah, exactly. And that and that's, I mean, exactly what I mean as far as like, you you want like if somebody wants to sell their fish, like you want them to be able to to do that and in a way where you can't grow so big to where you're you're pushing it out to all these different areas like you want that one guy to be able to put over a house over his one head and support his family like that not the way that we've been doing it like you got these massive corporations and shareholders like i mean i've watched documentaries and stuff about it it's pretty crazy and it's like you, you make these giant companies and corporations that are that's to me that's so much different mm-hmm. than somebody making millions and millions of dollars off of off of a local resource than somebody that's literally fishing and he's making a dollar selling fish you know to people in our local community that's to me it's a much different thing but how do you stop those monopolies from getting created there's a lot of problems yeah <laughs> it, it's it's crazy it's really, it's all really complicated, and and to be honest with you, the past couple of years, I've lost a lot of steam. And it was funny; I was just listening to your your podcast with uh, Hilton, and mm-hmm. it, like I I, I kind of felt the same way. Like he was like, you know, I used to go to the meetings. He's like, now I don't even do anything. I, I like, I'm almost getting to that point, man, because there's just a simple fact, dude, and money rules the world. Yeah. And and there's so much money involved by now. It's like. A lot of people, just like he was saying, dude, a lot of people are starting to lose hope that we're going to be able to fix it. I I don't know, you know, what the answer is. But, you know, kind of to roll all this back to what we were kind of talking about is I I know one thing that I can help and and that has been working is, you know, getting – 
recreational anglers to kind of look at things a little differently. You know, yeah. do do you really need that much fish? Do you well, really? And it's and it's it's kind of it, it's tough because I remember. I remember when I was a meat hauler and, and I was posting these and, and, and you know, it, it's kind of weird. It's like, wh- where does that mentality even come from? You know, like I had no, like I was on social media and I was just catching fish just to take a picture and put it on. And I had no idea why, like why just to show people that I could catch yeah, fish. You know like what I'm saying? It's like an ego thing. You yeah. have no idea why you're doing it. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you got. I remember when I was doing that, and people would comment and be like, you know, hey, why are you, why are you keeping these many fish? I'm like, man, fuck you. You know, like, like that's how I was like mad, and and I see why people that do it now are mad, but that's kind of what we try to do with with the speckled truth, and and what we try to like kind of push is like, man, why don't you, why don't you post a release video? Yeah. You know, see, see, see just, I think just, what really got me thinking about conservation a lot is you had a lot of these people hating on divers for. What they're doing in a, like down especially down in venice as to like you know why are they killing all that why are they you know what i mean like like what look what they're doing you know and it's like well why are you really mad at them like because mm-hmm. if it was you in a fishing pole you know it wouldn't be anything different yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm saying and it's like if it's dead it's dead but like it made me really think about well, why are they getting mad? They get mad because they took too much. It doesn't matter whether it's a diver or whoever. Too much is too much. You know what I mean? But I guess that's like kind of the root of whenever I started really, you know, thinking about conservation as to, you know, is what they're – because sometimes it's easy. Yeah. You know, like if a fish is there or Kobe, Kobe is, swims up and you get in the water and you shoot him. But, like, sometimes that fish is easy to hook too. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and sometimes it's really hard. So, I mean, it's like a – you know, it's it's definitely a thing. I, I feel like, man, uh, you know, everybody, everybody's got to do their part at, at some point. I, I really do, man. There's there's the technology now, uh, and and it's not just the boat; it's the equipment, it's braid, it's the the rods, the reels, like everything. Yeah. We have so many that- advantages now that it's like the fish. Just I, I personally feel like they don't really stand a chance like they used to, and Man, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to every once in a while, you know, when they came up with this, I was, I was, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm crawfishing and, I, and I'll admit it. But when they, they first said that they were going to, you know, shut down the speckled trout here for like a season or whatever, because, because they were opening the Bonnie carry and that pushes a lot more trout over here. That was a reasoning behind it. So the reason I was pissed off is, is, is I was just like, there's no science behind this. You're just trying to do whatever you want to do. That's why I was pissed and, and going to the CMR meetings and fighting that, and um, I was really against it uh, solely for that reason, because you can't just start letting these people do whatever they want, you right. know. And um, but if you remember, man, after Katrina or after any 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 time that nobody can fish for any amount of time, whether it's two weeks, three weeks, a month, two months, three months, that is always the absolute best fishing, dude. When those fish get a break, and yeah. and they don't have these like it, that that's that's when I started to really sit down and think about it and think about, you know, I, I was arguing with people on Facebook and stuff like that about, um, and I don't get into debates on social media anymore. It's a total waste of your time. But, um, when I would get into arguments with people and they'd be like, Oh, recreational anglers, they're, they're doing so much this and that. I'd be like, you don't know, you don't know anything. You know, there's no proof of that, this and that. 
And then I really started thinking about it, and I was like, man, every time there was a break, the fishing was just unreal. You know, yeah. it was unreal when those fish got left alone for definitely, a while. Definitely affects it. Um, I probably got two more questions, and we're going to start to wrap this thing up. We're coming right up on an hour right now. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, um, like, through conservation, you see a lot of, like, people, you know, you develop a love for doing one thing, fishing for one one fish, or you think sharks, or whatever it is. Um to me, that's not, like, true conservation, in a sense, is to, like, you know, you're promoting one species. And, I like, look, I don't mean this in a bad way at all. Like, I try to believe in whatever's right, whatever the truth is. Mm-hmm. You guys have done a great job at telling people to release fish, but growing speckled trout as a whole, I feel like, you know, the popularity through the podcast, through everything, has gotten a lot more popular. And to give you an example of some something similar is... I listened to a podcast with a local um, manatee, or uh, I'm sorry, speckled trout guide off the west coast of Florida, and he claims that because of all the manatee conservation, that you've seen all these manatees eat the grass, grass beds, yeah. and it's affecting the trout population. It makes sense, right? They're destroyed in habitat, and it's through the good efforts of mm-hmm. conservation, people that really care about these manatees, that really feel a certain way about them. Do you think that like? This could, like, you feel like uh, promoting conservation with one species in mind is, like, the really the right way to do it? Well, the only reason that we push for conservation through trout with speckled truth is because it's all about trout. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, we have had, uh, we've had guests on our podcast, like professional bass anglers, and mm-hmm. we've, we've, we've talked to them, and I got, uh, Carter Andrews is going to be on there soon, I'm interviewing him, and I'm interviewing Peter Miller, and, and that's actually something that we're going to talk about, is, is we're, we're actually kind of trying to make people realize it's not just trout, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So, Yes, we do just push trout. But, that's where but, the soul love is. But right? that's, that's where right. that's our that's you know we're not like if we sit there. That's and start what you pushing, do, right? If we start there and start pushing redfish. No, our followers are not going to care. They hate redfish. Yeah. <laughs> they absolutely hate redfish. But I get what you're saying. But we push trout just because that's our thing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, but me personally, like like Kyle Johnson, not affiliated with speckled truth like captain kyle johnson with my my guide business you know i'm 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 pushing everything yeah there's there's videos of me releasing big sheephead big big triple tail big everything so and i I agree with that but as far as to answer your question uh do i think that's the right approach no not just one species no i think if you're gonna i think the best way to advocate for conservation is more habitat just like you were saying earlier because that's better for every species that's better for the oysters for the i mean the name one thing that that's not better for you know what i mean there's not it's more habitat is what we really need and the the crazy thing is and y'all talk about that a lot like a lot of the older guys and stuff instead of advocating for i've heard them talking about lowering limits we need more habitat and that that is a big push and i mean dude y'all done great things i just like whenever i watch shark week man i honestly get pissed off yeah because these guys that's not really what's going on that's not, not real con- yeah. that's not real <laughs> conservation to be like save all the sharks save all the sharks no balanced ecosystem yeah. that's what we need balanced no ecosystem <laughs> i feel like man that's a that's a whole another rabbit hole but those, <laughs> those, those sharks are just unreal now yeah. it, it, it's it's not just it's not just being out in deeper water messing with stuff. It's it's on the flats. It's it's you know wade fishing all that stuff. I mean, I've been hit by sharks so many times I can't count. But I feel like 
this past summer, I saw more sharks. And I, there's and there's and that's the other thing. There's so many factors. Who knows? You yeah. Know, why? But it was just I took Joey Furlan out. You know, mm-hmm. it was Furlan's Marine. And we went out to a spot that I had at, at Chandelier, a little bit further south, which you know you're going to see some sharks. But I just took a, a a group there, and we saw three three sharks. That was it the whole day. And these guys smashed the trout. I mean, they were reeling in trout all day, and we saw three sharks. Uh-huh. Me and Joey, uh, we pull up four or five days later. We counted ten before we even got out of the boat. Wow. And Joey was like, man, I don't know about this. But I actually got introduced to this product. It's actually pretty legit. It's called Shark Bands. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Or seen that? Yeah. It works, dude. It works, really? I'll tell you that right now. It works. Huh. So awesome. if you put it, you know, on your I, – I don't know if it would work with a stringer. I doubt it because the whole point of it is you want it to – you want them to run into that before they run into your fish. So I use the fish bag, and I use a, uh, a hook set as the brand fish bag. I think it's – a really, really good quality bag, but uh, I have the uh, the shark man on a, a little float about two or three feet behind that. So if a shark kind of comes to the side, the way that 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 hook set bag is, they can't see the fish. They can just smell them, right? They can't see them in that bag, and so then he'll uh, a shark will instinctively, you know, they try to come up behind you to to kind of investigate. So if they come up from the side, they they know the fish are there. I'll see them. And then they'll come around behind me, and then when they get kind of close to that thing, they turn around, they bolt. <laughs> now the only thing, the only one that I haven't seen really care is a bull, a bull. But I haven't had my bag hit by a bull yet or anything, honestly. But um, the bull came up, and it was a not, it was a, it was a big one. It was like a six foot bull shark, <laughs> and that's a that's a you know hundred hundred plus hundred twenty pound plus you know shark, and he came up behind me. And he looked at the bag, and I turned around. And I was just sitting there staring at him. He came out, and he kind of got right up to my bag, and I you know, hit the hit the top of the water with my rod, and he kind of came up again, and then he left. But right. that that thing's actually actually pretty cool. It actually works. Uh, <laughs> it actually works pretty good. But the the Checking sharks, it I just it, I, I run trips. You know, like I said, I do a little bit of everything. I get phone calls. People are like, man, I just want to go catch shark. Yeah. But I want to catch – everyone wants to catch a big shark. Big you know, shark. Until yeah. they have a big shark. Man, I saw the uh, good friend of mine, uh, King uh, – King, he runs the Lady Ann. He owns the Lady Ann over in Dolphin Island. But they posted a picture of somebody with a big shark the other day, and I was like, "Hell yeah, good job!" You know, because not <laughs> enough. I mean, there's not enough. I mean, there, but the thing is, is like people from like up north or don't come down here all the time. They they think that anything's cool, and so if they want to kill a big shark, and we're killing all these other fish. Why can't they kill a shark? There's a lot of them out yeah. there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let them kill a shark, and they should feel good about it. it and, and they said they took all the meat home and ate it. I mean, people eat that stuff. You yeah. Know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm not going to lie, man. I've, I've cleaned a couple. I, I have The only shark I've ever ate, honestly, is Mako, and I thought it was delicious. I haven't eaten a black tip or a bull shark, but I've cleaned a couple really? you know, for clients. That There's wanna... not many fish out there that I haven't ate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I just it's not. It's not. You know, I hear you, dude. If you got other stuff, why would you? So many other things. Go like catch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll clean a shark for somebody, and they're like, "What's that smell?" I'm like, "What you about to eat, bro? <laughs> What's that smell? What you about to eat? You wanted to try it? You better try it." But you know what, dude? Everybody that that wanted to try one that that took it home. I mean, my client said they're like, "Man, we fried it. It was good." Yeah, I haven't tried it though because, like I said, if I want to eat something, uh, I'll go catch you know some right. trout or flounder, or redfish or something. Um. So for uh. I guess one more question, and then we'll kind of talk about a couple more things. Um, but 
tell me a story about uh, like I know we talked a sh- a too much probably about conservation. Hopefully, all my listeners aren't getting bored senseless. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but um, got deep give off us in that rabbit hole. Yeah, we definitely did. But if you got like a like story about your biggest buckle trout, like a, a story that like really resonates with you, something that was like really special, um, whatever it is, man, like give us something good. Yeah, uh, hmm, kind of <laughs> me on the spot here. <laughs> I did that. So uh, I guess I'll talk about this past winter since I didn't really uh, I didn't really post about it much, uh, not intentionally, but um, we had an opportunity to go down. Uh, me and Chris Bush try to go down to uh, Port Mansfield just about every year. It's uh, for people who don't know, Port Mansfield is pretty much on the Texas uh, Mexican line. It's, it's a little tiny fishing town down down in Texas. Amazing place, dude. You walk outside. There's you know six point bucks. You can hand you can hand feed a ten point buck outside it's wow. nuts dude it's, it's a really cool place and it's i say chandeliers wade fish in heaven but so is that place it, it really is and um we try to go down there and fish as much as we can uh it's it's in my opinion it's one of your best options to uh really get a, a 10 pound trout waiting and uh, that's kind of our goal when we go there try to catch just an absolute monster but we were down there for a couple of days, and it was uh, me, Ed, and Chris, and, and we fished with uh, a couple of guys. We fished with Wayne Davis and, and stuff for a couple of days. But um, I've always I've always wanted to just meet Jay Watkins. Um, it just his knowledge for speckled trout is just it's, it's unreal. And I I just I just wanted to meet the guy, and he knew we were in town, and he. Um, we had fished with, with, with Wayne and, and some other guys for a couple of days. And I, I caught like a five pounder and, uh, every, I think, uh, one of the girls with us caught like a five or a five and a half or something. The fishing wasn't that great is what I'm getting at for like two or three days of fishing. Right. right. And, uh, lots of numbers, but nothing big. I can do numbers here, you know, but I, I was, I was thankful to be there and I appreciate them taking us and all that stuff. But, on Sunday, Chris uh, Chris had to get back home, and uh, Jay Watkins was texting me, and he was like, hey, uh, I'm going out Sunday. Do you want to come fish with me? And I, I didn't want to be rude, you know, because we were fishing with somebody else. And I was like, man, we're going to uh, – Chris has got to go back at, at, at lunchtime or whatever, so uh, we'll hop on the boat with you then. He was like, all right, sounds good. So the way things folded out, it didn't fold out like that, and it's like – one o'clock and he's texting me he's like where are y'all at i'm coming to get y'all and i was like all right yeah (laughs) i was like i'm not passing this opportunity up so uh he he comes and gets me and ed and and you could see on chris's face he was so pissed (laughs) because (laughs) he wasn't coming fishing with us because i was like dude you've got to get back home you know you you got to get back to your family and uh we don't we're not leaving till tomorrow (laughs) so so we go and it's um we get in jay's boat and and we we like I said, we've been there all weekend, hadn't really done that much. And Jay's like, I think, I think I know where some big fish are. And we are like, all right. So we pull up, and it's uh, it's me, Ed, Jay Watkins, Mike McBride, and Lowell Odom. And Lowell Odom owns Texas Custom Lures, which, uh, which I talked to him a lot, interviewed him on a Speckle Truth podcast, and I'd never met him though. You mm-hmm. know, so this is my first time meeting him was was fishing with him. So we already kind of have, you know, we I mean, I've already fished with Mike McBride the first time I went down to Mansfield. So there was no like awkwardness. It was just a, a straight up like. Hey, how you doing? Fuck you. <laughs> like that's that's kind of like you know how they are, you know. And so we're talking shit, man, and we're fishing. And in four hours, it was some of the best trout fishing I've ever done. And, and it was uh, Ed went and walked with Mike, and because Ed had never met Mike, and Mike is a, a character, dude. He, mm-hmm. he is he's a really really funny dude, real charismatic person. So he walks off with him, 
And I was like, I've already fished with Mike. I'm, I'm staying with Jay, you know, Jay and, and Lowell. And so we're walking and we're talking about where we're fishing and why we're fishing it. And I don't, I'm not going to get into all the details of that. But um, pretty much exactly what they said was going to happen happened. And we pull up on this little trough, man. And it was just the bait was coming through there. We were in the right place at the right time. The sun was going down. And we're throwing corkies. That's my favorite thing to catch a big trout on. And it's the way they hit it. It's just it's, it's nuts. They just absolutely smash it. And so Jay, Jay walks up and he's like, uh, he's like, he's like, I'm gonna throw it. I'm gonna throw it right here. He's like, throw the left of it uh, of me a little bit. And I was like, all right. So Jay throws, boom, hooks up to a seven and a half pounder. And, and I throw right to the left of him. Boom. I got like a five pounder on and, uh, Lowell hooks up too. And, and Lowell's ended up coming off, but we pull it up. You know, uh, I didn't talk about it earlier, but I got a little bit of a background in photography. You know, I love photography. So I got to take pictures of Jay holding the stud trout. I got to video it. got to video him releasing it. You know, that, that was just a really, really cool moment for me. And uh, that was just something I'll absolutely never forget. And so he, he releases the trout, and, and he was just kind of like, drop the mic, you know. He was like, I'm going back to get the boat. I just want to show you all I'm the best. You know, he didn't say that, but you know what I'm saying? He was like, he's like I'm going to go back and get the boat. Y'all keep fishing. I'll, I'll bring the boat down here because the boat was pretty far away. And so it's just me and Lowell, and, uh, dude, we sit there, and we just start hammering trout. And, and I'd never, you know, as much as I trout fish, and I've, I've gotten into, like, you know, I've caught a couple good trout here and there. This was like a school of like five to eight pounders. Wow. And it was just like never, I've never seen anything like that. Never thought I really would, to be honest with you. And it was just every cast was just an absolute stud. And we're on this rhythm and, and me and Lowell are just sitting there smashing them. And I'd caught like three or four nice trout in a row. And then all of a sudden it was just slot reds. And, and I throw out there and, uh, like, work the corgi. We're working the corgi really fast, too, kind of keeping it up up high. Boom, smashes it, starts peeling drag. I'm like, this is the one. This is the one I've been looking for. And I, I, for real, thought it was that 9 or 10-pounder. And uh, it came up and shook and everything. The sun's going down. Couldn't really see much. Get it to me. It's a damn redfish. And I'm <laughs> so pissed. And, Got redfish. Oh, yeah. Lowell's laughing at me. He's like, oh, you fucking idiot. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm like, all right, man, whatever. And so throw back out there. It happened to me four times in a row. They they all all the redfish came up, shook like a trout. You know, I couldn't see. They couldn't they, they, see. You know they how saw like, yeah, I know what you mean. They like, have that's that pretty typical. Shake. Yeah. yeah. They that's pretty a, typical for a trout to come up and shake their head. And I have seen a lot of reds do it as well. And when you catch a bigger trout, they stay down. Like, after they shake, sometimes they'll stay down like a red. They'll yeah. feel just like a red because they're so heavy, you yeah. know. And so that happened to me like four or five times or whatever. And I was like getting so aggravated. And Lowell's just still, still steady, you know, reeling in five pounders, you know. And I'm like, gosh, dang it. And so I throw out there, boom, hits it, doesn't head shake, just starts digging. And I'm like, it's another damn redfish. And I didn't really horse it or anything, but I just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything I could have done, you know what I'm saying? So it, I'm fighting it for a minute, and I, I, I'm, I'm kind of horsing it a little bit, I guess. And I get it kind of close to me. I get it close to me, and it just, just like takes off, dude. And the, and the rod tip's just like, you know, going crazy, and he's peeling drag. And then I'm like, man, this might, this could be a trout, you know. I, I start thinking that. And Lowell's probably like 15 feet to the left of me. And um, I start reeling it. And, and and then after it did that long run, I got it turned around. And it just kind of started just moseying towards me. I was just keeping the line tight, you know, just keeping it real tight. 
and it, and it comes up and it, and it goes towards Lowell and it just it comes up and just rolls and it was just a freaking monster trout Giant, dude. Huh? Uh, freaking you know, Lowell Lowell guided for twenty or thirty years. You know he's he's won all the tournaments. He's caught tons of nine ten pounders, all that stuff. So for him to say that was a big trout, like <laughs> it was a stud, yeah. and uh, and it comes up. And it just looks at him, and then uh, it's it, we're, we're, he does Texas Custom Lures. He also does Custom Corky. He was the first one to do a Custom Corky. That's right, the original right. Custom Corky. And uh, I was throwing a Custom Corky. And it's kind of funny the way it happened because it was, you know, one of his lures. And it just kind of comes up, shows him that lure, shakes its head one time, just spits the lure right in front of him, and it just swims off. And he just looks at me. He goes, bub, that was, that was a big trout. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like. Damn it! I was so <laughs> mad because it was just redfish after redfish. The after one redfish. that got away. Huh? Yep. But we, um, you know that that happened, and I was mad. But at the same time, like I said earlier, you know I was just ecstatic to catch all the big trout that I caught. You know, with them. having a trip like that with those guys, man, that had been awesome. It was. It's something I'll, I'll absolutely never forget. And and you know we released absolutely everything that that wasn't even spoken of. It was just we're gonna go out here, we're gonna do this, and so. Jay pulls up, and by that time, Mike and Ed Ed pull up, and it's just, you know, barely any light left. And, and Jay's got one of those, you know, Haney cat boats, little shallow water boats. And, and we're just – we're hauling ass back, and, and the sun's going down. There's hardly any light left. And we're all just kind of – just everybody grabs a beer, and it was just something I'll just never forget, dude. Like, fun, you, you can't replace that, That's man. Awesome. That was an absolutely – awesome awesome experience i know i mean i know for me i haven't looked up to those guys in the same way just because i haven't been in the trout space for that long but i know exactly what you're talking about because there's certain divers or fishermen that i've met over the years that you just you look up to you idolize them i feel like that's just a part of human nature you know what i mean and for those to have moments like that with people you look up to is special man it's really cool that and can I do one more? Just one more since we're on it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you I, can. I, 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 I got real lucky, got to fish with Carter Andrews. Uh, you know, he, he's been – he was he was on with Jose Wahebe and, and all of that. He's been in the game forever. It's a dude I've really looked up to. Really good storyteller, conservationist, all that. And uh, he was just – he was headed down to Venice to fish with uh, Mo and Eric that he, like he does every year. And he hit me up on Instagram. I was like, hey, man, I'm thinking about stopping in Biloxi for a couple of days to fish with you and I was like what <laughs> and he was like yeah and I was like all right let's do it and so he had just came back from I want to say it was like North Carolina or something and he um they were supposed to be shooting a show with this guy about bull reds and he had fished with them before and they did really good but you know how fishing is dude sometimes shit yeah. just don't work out so he was like man I really want to try and get some you know I don't have my camera crew but I just want to get some pictures and some content with some bull reds and it was uh it was like the last first week of September last year, just prime time for those bull reds just on the beach everywhere. And I'd had them pinned down. I've been fishing for them every day. And so I told him, I said, Well, let's let's leave at like, you know, eight thirty and we'll uh we'll we'll go get some bull reds. And so just the way everything worked out it couldn't have been better. So, you know, my marina, uh, right there behind the gold nugget, uh, we he we kept his boat at Danny's at uh Gorn Flows. And we pull out of the marina, and we're talking on the way out, you know, that whole long, you know, idle spot. And we get around the Beauvage, right by the rocks, and I'm like, I'm like, well, I was like, let's head east first. I was like, there's been a school that's been popping up right there, and then we'll work our way down, you know, to the west after that. 
And so as soon as we as soon as he gets on a plane, I mean he just got on a plane, turns left, goes around the rocks, massive school of bull reds right there. <laughs> and I was just like and uh, my buddy Shane Overstreet was with me and uh and, and I just I look over at Shane and Shane's grinning ear to ear. I'm grinning ear to ear. I look up at Carter, he's up on his second station, he's grinning ear to ear and his uh his buddy that does everything with him behind the scenes, Ryan, he's grinning ear to ear and we pull up and just start working on these big and they were fat, like just big they've been up. gorging on pogies. Yeah. So they just had these huge bellies and dude that was another thing I'll never forget because it was just one of those things that everything just happened the way it was supposed to. Yeah, like we yeah. we just rode up and down the beach, schools of reds just popping up left and right, yeah. and we were getting them on poppers. You know, you can get them on anything Whatever when they're they like do that. that. But yeah. that was awesome to fish with somebody. And the only reason I want to tell that story because, like you just said, you know, somebody you look up to, and I've I've been fortunate to to do that twice now. You know, yeah. it was with Jay and Lowell and Mike, and then then it was with Carter, and those are things that I'll just never forget. And that's that's the thing that I try to make people realize. It's the stuff like that. It's it's not about bringing home that meat or 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 even people, catching that fit. it's that experience dude i will never ever 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 forget any of those yeah. you know what i mean there's there's charter trips i've had with clients that i'm never gonna forget just because we just had this certain bond like set out yeah. a goal and and, and 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 we just far exceeded it you know yeah. like like yes like you, just, <laughs> you feel so good and you know they feel so good and that's that's what I try to do like every trip, you know, yeah. I'm like, what do you want to do this trip? And and they tell me, and I, I am notorious for just there's a, there's going a, too far. There's a type know? of client too, that knows how to do it better than other ones. Like some of them, they get like, they come with the same people every time. And like, you know, the point really is to hang out with their best buds, but mm-hmm. you know, fishing is something that they all like to do. So that's why they're there doing that. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the best mentality to have. Yeah. Go plan on having fun with the people that you're going with. Yeah. Anything else is going to be a bonus. Yeah. And you'll never be, you know, let down. Make sure you, whenever you come on a charter with either of us, guys, come fish with Kyle. He's a great guy. But yeah. if you ever come on a charter with anybody, just make sure you surround yourself with people you want to be around. And yeah. Set out having a, you know, planning on having a good time. But, um, man, I don't want to keep this thing going too long, but, um, Real quick, let's talk about, you know, some of the – both of us are in Blue Wave, man. Yeah. Uh, Blue Wave's been a great boat for me. I got a 24. I just ordered a 26 with twin Suzuki's. And, oh, uh, they did do the twins? Yeah, yeah. the 200s? Yeah, yeah. I love mine, dude. Yeah, that's what I you really got, do. right? That's yep. why I wanted to ask you, man. Like, what do you what – you, like, you, you know, you've been using yours for about a year now, right? Uh, I've, I got mine in April. Oh, okay, so not quite a year. Yeah, yet. I got mine in April, and right now I'm sitting at – like 450 hours so you know i fish a lot i'm i'm thankful i get to stay that busy but i say that not to brag just to say i've put a lot of time in on that boat in a Mm -hmm. short amount of time and um i love it man those suzuki's i've always been a yamaha guy yeah and uh this is the first boat i've ever owned that didn't have yamaha and I, I have, feel like it's somewhat similar to a Yamaha almost. A lot of like the filters and the way that, that the thing kind of goes. It's it's yeah. not the same, but it's similar. You know? One one thing I love about Furlands, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, <laughs> but uh, I do all my own maintenance. Uh, uh-huh. Like I said, I was in the Army for 11 years. I was an avionics technician, and I did a lot of the mechanical stuff too. And I'm just a hands-on guy, and I wanted to know where things are on my boat. So I actually rigged my entire boat. I did all the uh, electronics. I did everything. And and Joey and them 
were right there if I needed them, by the way. That was awesome. So if I had a yeah. question of, like, what's the best way to run this? They'd be like, oh, we do it this way. And, I'd be like, yeah. and I even, you know, they showed me something. I even showed them something. I was like, well, have you thought about doing it this way? You know, stuff. So it was it a was really cool experience all around. But um, I do all my own maintenance, and it is very similar. It's very similar. Um, I just didn't have, you know, uh, when all you know is Yamaha, all you know is Yamaha. But now yeah. that I'm doing uh, with the Suzuki's, I just – I haven't had any issues, you know. I didn't. Uh, I don't expect to wood, either. Yeah. I know, right? But I'm I coming up on like 1,800 hours on my 300 Suzuki, and I haven't had uh, knock on wood any major issues. I've had, you know, you have your miscellaneous, you know, wire fuse this mm. that, you know. But as far as like big things, like I've I've been thoroughly thoroughly impressed, and that's that's kind of why I decided to you know stick with Suzuki. It's like don't fix it if it ain't broken, you know. And well, when I uh. When I got my boat, um, Carter Andrews, I sent him some pictures. I was like, dude, check out the new ride, you know. And, and he's heavily sponsored by Mercury. But he was like, man, I put 5,000 hours on a pair of Suzuki's. He was like, I was really impressed. He was like, I yeah. think you're going to like they it. They are, so. man. They're, they're definitely workhorses. Yeah. And, um, man, and as far as, you know, you talk about Furlins, um, you know, both of us, they, they help both of us out. And, we you know, we're with Furlins and – I can honestly say those that's like some of the best group of people that I'd ever want to be with like just family oriented you know type of business and uh you really feel to me like you know Ferlin's like going up there that they really want to help you out you know and it it's ha- it's hard for a lot of businesses right now I feel like in the time that we're in because um there's no customer service anymore in a lot of businesses and it's almost like a breath of fresh air when I walk in there like you know they and maybe it's because you know I know all of them and that kind of thing but like I really do feel like you know Furlins does you know a really good job and they're good people and they're never gonna you know push one over on you yeah so I spent like I said I spent a lot of time up there rigging my boat I do all my own maintenance there but you know there was one time that I was too busy I was going out of town with the family and I had to drop it off and they knocked it out had it ready for me when I got back but that's something I choose to do I want to do them I want to look at things myself not that I don't trust them it's just so if I do see something they're there to guide me and then you know if something happens on the water I know where stuff is on my boat that's the whole reason I wanted to do all that but while I was up there uh, rigging my boat and doing everything, you know, there were times, uh, you know, it's a weird time with COVID and everything. They had a lot of people calling out and stuff. And Joe would be like, man, can you help us do this or help us move that or, or you know, whatever. And, man, I saw, like, the quality uh, of, of what they do. And they just – they don't take shortcuts, man. And that's, that's hard to see. You know, yeah. even in aviation, we got to a point to where there were certain things, you know, aviation's really strict standards. It's, it's overkill. But you can't just float away or pull over on the side of the road. Like, shit yeah. goes down, you're dead. You yeah, know? right. It's Very not, strict it's, standards. Yeah. I can only imagine, right? So, uh, you know, th- but even in aviation, there were some things that we'd be like, that's that's good enough for now you know what right. i'm saying but like when i was helping them do a, a couple things uh or or i would walk up to seth as he's doing um some fiberglass work and he'd be like man what do you think about that and i'd be like man i i think it looks good and he's like man that ain't good enough yet and he was i just want to see if you if you notice you know these flaws or whatever it to me it looked perfect and then yeah. he pointed out like two little things he's like i'm not sending this thing out like that i'm starting over and yeah. i was like when i saw that i was like damn 
you know. And then I have had a couple small issues, uh, nothing crazy on my boat, like my swim platform. There was a couple issues with that. And, uh, man, they, they, they went above and beyond to make – like it's yeah. like overkill now. Yeah. Like you're not going to mess with that thing. <laughs> it was just a little loose, and there was a couple things here and there. And which think- you got to expect with any new – it's just like a new car. You're not going to get a new car, and everything's yeah. going to be perfect. You know? Yeah, and I, and I think people need to be uh, – mindful of knowing that like you know employees and things happen i don't i don't know i'm not trying to say that you know every business gets a complainer here and there but i do think that like if i were to buy a boat from somebody or or uh you know trust somebody like i don't like i know if i go buy a boat for them they're going to take a personal responsibility to make mm-hmm. sure that I'm well taken care of. And that to me, that goes a far ways. Because if you're buying a boat from somebody, trust me, I had a bad, very, very bad experience. I'm not going to call anybody out. But I had a very, very bad experience um, buying a boat before. And it's because the people didn't take pride in what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They didn't They didn't honestly give. They just. They honestly didn't care. They, they were there for a paycheck. Everybody in that whole place was there for a paycheck. And at the end of the day, I think a lot of the people at Furlands are too, but I definitely think with Joey, there's a passion that resonates there still. I mean, he Dude, has a he, he has a willingness to fix things and make people feel like they're taken care of. Dude, it's it's unreal. Like I, I I'd heard about it, and um, you know, I wasn't looking to get into a new boat. I really wasn't. I was fine where I was, but then. When the opportunity came and, and me and him, the first time we talked, he called me at like 9 o'clock at night and, and he was like, hey, man, I'm still at work. You might hear some things in the background. He was still there like doing fiberglass work, the owner of the yeah. business. And uh, we talked till like 1 in the morning, dude, just talking about everything, getting to know each other. And I was like, damn, this dude. And and, I, and I've been fooled a lot, man. I, I, I've tried to get better at not really trusting people when I first meet them. I was really bad about that, like, growing up. I kind of thought everybody had good intentions. And the people that prey on people that, you know, it's so easy for them to prey on people like that. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, they're like, they, they, they pick up that you, like, you know, you trust them or whatever, and they're, they're going to take everything they can out of you. And I've been fooled by a lot of people. So I try to, like, kind of have my guard up before really judging somebody. But – I kind of just felt me and Ed Crum are like, we're, you know, we're going to be lifelong friends. You know, me me and Ed have a really strong bond and um, Ed just could not stop saying good things about Joey. He was like, you're not going to find a a better, you know, option. And it's, it's true. Everything Ed has said about everything Joey said is true. I mean, dude, I know for a fact that if something was, was wrong with my boat and, and I was like, man, I need this fixed now. Like, yeah. I wouldn't even have to say it like that. I'd be right. like, Joey, <laughs> I got trips next week. This is going on. He would be like, get it here now. You need me to come get you? You need me to come pick you up somewhere? Like, that's that's how right. he would be, man. And and it's just – it's you're not going to find that anywhere else. And, yeah. and I, one of the reasons I didn't want to get involved with, with the new boat was, like you just said, it. Like I didn't want to deal with, like, sleazy salesmen, you know, stuff like that. And it was nothing like that going with the Furlands, yeah. you know. It, it was like – like you just said, man, it's like I got 
I got invited, you know, over to his house, you know, mm-hmm. go fishing with him, you know, things like that. They really do make you like part of the family. And I'm not the only one. His customers do, you mm-hmm. know, like yeah. whenever his customer, I've been up there a lot. And now that they're starting to sell tackle there now, you know, they're going to, they're going to be a really good tackle shop. He's getting some really awesome stuff up there. Like he's going to, he's going to be the only Sims waiter dealer at, like from here to Texas, you know, yeah. and, and that's going to be awesome because some people, they see the price tag on Sims and they don't realize it's worth the money. But once you like actually put your hands on it and, and feel it and see the quality of the work, you realize it. But, uh, you know, his, his client, his, his, clients will come up there you know to get something for their boat or whatever and they'll ask him hey man where are the fish biting or, or whatever and he tells them you know he tells mm-hmm. them the truth like yeah. it was like somewhere the i took him guy, and yeah. he was like man we called him right here i'm like joey shut the hell up <laughs> like, like that's, that's where i took you bro he's an honest guy yeah. but that, that's just cool about them man. yeah man and blue wave has been an awesome boat too man i'll say that boat is definitely set up for charter fishing uh better than any base style boat that i've seen i can get i can sit four across the layout is great for fishing i don't know people ask me uh one of the reasons i want to talk about the boat a lot is people ask me what i think about the boat a lot mm-hmm. so just yeah. here to tell everybody it is it is an is an awesome boat i decided to order another one i got a 26 coming and uh i can't wait to see what i can do with that machine the thing with this next one is i feel like i'm like as much as i want to think that i'm not limited with one motor because i i mean i've ran my boat pretty far <laughs> for a bay boat but it does give you that, like, I feel like I'm going to stretch my legs a little more often with this new boat, for sure. <laughs> that was one thing that I noticed um, with mine was I'm actually getting the same, if not better, fuel mileage with really? twin 200s than I was with a 250. Mm-hmm. Just because that hole is so efficient, man. Yeah. The, the, the yeah. Blue Waves, their hole is it's a performance-driven hole, man. I, yeah. I will get better economy at like 37 38 miles an hour than i will like 28 you know yeah that boat is uh it's just it's just made to go fast but um that was one thing i noticed uh going from you know a single topping out at like 47 48 to now you know i can hit 57 58 miles an hour depending on the load but um i mean i haul ass everywhere now and and now that i can you know i like to go 40 everywhere i go further you know like (laughs) it's not gonna take me as long to get there yeah but um before I even, you know, thought about getting that boat, I, I work boat shows every year. You know, I have for since like 2015, whether it be for, you know, a lure company or even Speckled Truth now. We always do the Biloxi boat show every year. But I've done a lot of boat shows, you know, doing that whole thing. And I've gotten to step on and, and look at a lot of boats because of that. Because whenever it's slow or before the show or whatever, I was always looking at, at boats, just seeing all the setups and I didn't know much about Blue Wave, never really heard much about them. And Ed's the one who told me, so you need to look at those Blue Waves. And I was looking at them. And for what I wanted to do, uh, I, I didn't want a bay boat because, no. you know, I wanted to do a little bit of everything. And, uh, and but I did like, if I was going to buy like a bay boat for myself, I would have I wanted that 2400. Just yeah. the, the, the way that they think of things, like how to lay it out, it's laid out for fishermen. Yeah, like that that's the thing. And they, they, they say that they do, but they also, like they, you know, Kels told me this up there at Furlands that they actually look at those Facebook forms and stuff and whatever people are like complaining about or want changed or if it makes sense to them, like that's a better idea, better way to do things. They do it. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that's one of the biggest, I think, 
one of, I mean, you know, Freeman gives a lot of their credit to the Mexican Gulf guys and what they've done, you know, mm-hmm. as far as that's how they, you know, they gave it to the Venice fishing fleet and said how to make it better. And the people that are going out and they're trying the product and they're telling you that it needs to be changed to this, that's what makes a lot of these really good companies that are making these products. That's what makes them so much better is when they actually listen to the guides. And yep. the, you get a lot of these companies and stuff and they don't, I don't really want to say, I've, I've said names of companies in the past and I kind of regret it, but they don't listen to what the no. peop, the professionals, the people that are really using their product to the, to the max potential. Mm-hmm. What do they want to see Dels? And I, and I feel like blue waves done that. I mean, it's, it's very evident whenever you look at their boat, you know, they got that, they got a three inch drain plug in my boat. I don't know if yours is like yeah. that, a three inch drain plug for their live well so that, Whenever you pull that plug, all that shrimp or whatever you keep it in there can go swim out, and you don't have to sit there and net it all out. I mean, little things like that, oh, yeah. you know, it just goes a long way. I for, got three me, live you know. wells in mine. All three of them have air going to them. Like, yeah. Like, you know, I, I I came from an older boat, but I was just like, I thought that was awesome. You know, yeah. like all three, even the pitch one up front, you know. Yeah. And that's a, that was a great little thing, too. I use that for triple tail cobia. And yeah, I bet like you that. put it up there. That way you're running, and you could just, yeah, that makes or, sense. Or, you know, when I'm – Doing more of an inshore style trip, you know, I'll, I'll put a lot of shrimp up there for when, if somebody's up there, I can, you know, I don't have to walk to the back. That's a 28 foot boat. There's actually, there's a lot of room, you know, I don't have to walk all the yeah. way to the back. I got to put I, little buckets and pails. Yeah. You got to be creative. That 20, that 26 has got one in the front though. Yeah, it does. Yeah, pitch, it does. I'm actually going to have four. <laughs> they, oh, wow. They said three, but I had to add one more. Let's, yeah. Yeah, so. But uh, going back to what you're saying, yeah, if you look at um, you look at like every year, uh, any blue wave model, something had changed every year because they they do they listen to their people. And I took uh, Tim Long is a national sales manager, and he's also part owner of Blue Wave. Uh, he was supposed to come, but he couldn't make it. But I took his son and Joey fishing not too long ago to Chandelier, and uh, we were out there, and he was like, "Hey, man." what's some nitpicky stuff about this boat? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, just just be honest with me, man. Tell me your nitpicky stuff. I was like, all right. <laughs> and so I told him, and it was just little minor stuff, you know, because like you said, I'm on Dude, the every, every day. Dude, I've never you know? been on a boat that I wasn't like, why, why didn't, you know, yeah. maybe you could do it like that. Even if I'm wrong, that's just the mentality that fishermen have whenever you look at a yeah. boat. You know what I mean? It's not that like – like you might think it might be better like that, not necessarily that it is, but that's just the the mindset that yeah. you have anytime you're on a boat. You know yeah. what, what's going to be a little bit better. Yeah. You know, and, but he and it's cool that he asked that. Yeah, we're, really well, awesome. we're out there waiting, and we're taking a break, and we're in the boat, you know, eating lunch, and he's asking me, and I'm showing him stuff, and just telling him, I'm like, man, I, I think this could have been done different. You know, this and that. You know what he's doing? He's sitting on his phone writing the shit down, <laughs> and that's when I was like. Wow, he's actually like, what else is he going to do with that? He's just going to look at it later. You know, he's going to take that to the factory and be like, hey, what do y'all think about this or whatever? So that's awesome. And that's what, that's what Joey loves about them as well. You know, Joey Furlan is, is Joey actually came up with some things for, for certain, certain holes, just things that he's had to fix because, you know, they are, they are the fiberglass people. And, 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 and when some of the best in the country. Yeah. So when it comes to doing, you know, warranty work, a lot of stuff gets sent to them. And yeah. he's had to warranty fix things. And, and he's sent things into the, to the, to the factory and they've actually changed molds because of Joey's recommendation. And that, that's legit, dude. That, mm-hmm. that shows a company that really, you know, cares and, yeah. and wants their product to be, to be awesome. But like I said, man, just the way that thing's laid out is just, it's it's perfect for 
It's a it great is, boat. And, 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 and I, know, I, I know it is just because my clients say it more than anything. They're like, this boat's perfect for what you do. Because yeah. on those trips that we do a little bit of everything, you know, we go into some deeper water and fight some bigger fish, stuff like that. And then we come in and, and we're in freaking, you know, a foot of water on the trolling motor, sight cast and stuff. They're like – that's like this really is like a, it's it's an actual. I used to hate the term, but it really is a hybrid boat, man. I can yeah. do a little bit of both. That thing can it can take some damn waves and and it can. Yeah, we have a twenty eight down in Venice as well, and uh, I run it, you know, here and there, not that often, really, just during shows or whenever I've got an issue with mine or something. But uh, I I really like it. Everybody yeah. in the company really likes it too, and that's something to be said whenever they're all. Dancing around on Big Freeman's all every day. I know, right? <laughs> I, I love it, dude. I mean, even if even if I wasn't guiding, I, I, that boat would work perfect for for me. I would I would absolutely love it because I, I like I've gotten to a point to where um, I don't really like fishing by myself anymore, dude. Yeah, me too. I, I, like, I hate it, man. I like I like having you know if People. I can fit six of my boys on the boat, we're rolling. You know, all six of us. <laughs> like if I can fit eight, then we're rolling. All eight of us. You we're know, just going people, out to have fun, right? Yeah. Man. Some people are like, man, I don't want to fish that many wading. I'm like, dude, we're wading. Yeah. <laughs> you can go a hundred yards away from him. You know. <laughs> but yeah, I I, I love the boat man and i've been really really impressed with blue wave and it's just it really is perfect for what i want to do it's kind of fun too like you know when you go through at chandelier uh i'll I'll ride in the inside of the island Uh, i like to come that way i can just kind of come and go around north island i can go like the the west of it and, and get to the south side when i need to but because um, certain times I have to because the back door has gotten so shallow that it's, yeah. it's been pretty sketchy. But that kind of adds to the trip, though, because, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sitting here, you know, most most of the guys that do a chandelier trip, it's usually, like, six guys. So it's me plus six guys. They're all in bean bags, You know, they're chilling. And I'm riding the inside of the island, and then we get to the back door. And, dude, there's spots where, you know, I've got the jack plate up. We're running 40 miles an hour. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're looking back, and they're looking at me. I'm like, don't say nothing. Just hold on. Because <laughs> like, we can't stop. If we stop, we're screwed, you know. But that's that's cool to be able to do that in that big of a boat. I mean, mm-hmm. you know how clear that water gets out there. And they're, they're yeah. sitting there looking at bottom. And we're just – and, you know, it looks, it looks a lot more shallower than yeah, it, it is. is yeah. And every time we get to, like, that first spot, they're like, dude, was that like – like six inches of water. I'm like, as much as I'd like to tell you that it wasn't, it was, it was like a foot, but still <laughs> it's a big boat. I've got 130 gallons in it. And yeah. Plus all of y'all, plus all your gear. You gotta jump we're, it. <laughs> we're running through something that shallow. You know, it's pretty yeah. fun. Hell yeah. Well, Hey Kyle, this has been a great podcast, man. I hope so. I won't, I won't keep these listening. I mean, this is a long one, man. We're coming up on an hour and 40 minutes. So I knew it would be a long Every one. podcast I do, it always ends up longer. Everybody's like, we're going to do an hour. And then two hours in, we're like, we got to cut it off, man. I'm like, my bad. I like to talk, I guess. No, no, man. It's good. It's good. It's uh, It was a, it was a great one. It was a lot of fun. A lot of conservation. Good stories, man. And, uh, yeah, appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, man. And, hey, if anybody's interested in booking a trip, you can check me out at fishcoastalwaters.com. My schedule's on there, everything. Fishcoastalwaters.com? Yes, fishcoastalwaters.com. Okay. Guys, if you guys are in Biloxi, um, I know I get I get people that ask me all the time, and I, I try to recommend Kyle a lot. He's a really good fisherman, great guy. I, I recommend you. Appreciate it, dude. <laughs> all right, later, guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram at Tunatown Talks. Also, if you'd like to book a charter with me, you can do so by visiting our website at mgfishing.com. That's Mexican Gulf website. 
where you'll find my online booking calendar with all my open dates. And remember guys, always be safe while out on the water.